With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales. Uh, again, there, there's just so much going on in the world right now. Bitcoin is, you know, we're at around 22K, and no, it's not 2019 or 2020. It's uh, it's 2022, and and the market's in a little bit of a, a, a kind of a kerfuffle, I'd say. Uh, quite simply, there's a lot going on, external pressure with inflation and whatnot. Um, and so really just kind of giving a, an overall market conditions, as I usually do kind of at the start of these podcasts, to, to help time them uh, for where things are, because unfortunately, it's relevant. Um, the projects that, that we interview, like like Pocket Network, who we're about to talk about today, uh, you know, again, I, I've seen amazing work by so many teams in and around uh, the Web3 space, and we continue to see them work and evolve. Even, even when prices are down, that's actually where they seem to bury their head the most and just put out the best work, work product possible. Um, so with me today, I've got, I've got Michael, and so instead of me kind of chattering on, um, I'd, I'd love to kind of jump over to Michael and, and um, with Pocket and, and Michael, really, let's let's before we jump into what you're working on today. What was your first exposure into you know cryptocurrencies, blockchain, and that that kind of got you thinking like, holy crap, there's there's something here that we need to spend some more time on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. Uh, really excited for to, to be chatting with you. Um, yeah, my first uh, exposure to really Bitcoin because it was only Bitcoin back in the day uh, was in 2013 and. I had read a Wired article uh, about Bitcoin, and I think because of my background, uh, I was just immediately um, interested into 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 why Bitcoin should exist in the first place. And and I say that because I was I was born in the Caribbean in the Dominican Republic, and uh, uh, moved to the U.S. really early on. I was two years old, and uh, I've used Western Union enough times to feel uh, the pain of of trying to send money to your family. And, um, you know, outside of you know, being used to digital worlds, playing, playing video games, growing up and this sort of thing, I, I think in 2011 and 2012, I also had a pretty important experience that uh, uh, working at a credit union or a couple credit unions uh, selling loans and you kind of see how difficult the financial system can be for people in some in, in some cases when you're looking at thousands of credit reports kind of working through some things you see people uh, uh, you know just kind of stuck in a in a loop and i think those two things really kind of prepared me for bitcoin without realizing it and you know reading the the that, that article ending up on the subreddit uh, going through the bitcoin talk forums reading the the white paper uh, i immediately um, uh, just just got it um, i got so excited about it started writing blog posts about it. I think there's a Medium article from, from 20, 2014 uh, about me uh, saying how, how Bitcoin is going to change the world. So, um, you know, just immediately just got super excited about it. And uh, from there, it's, it's really been uh, heads deep since then. What, what was the first, like, because you're a mature entrepreneur at this point. So what, what was the first kind of concept that you came up with and whether you executed on it or not? I mean, that's always the funny thing for me to hear about people. Are like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a wall. Oh man, uh, you know the first thing I did was um, I started driving around to banks, uh, thinking I could build a um, a, a remittance company. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, in twenty, this is in 2014, actually. I'm like, hey, uh, there's this thing called Bitcoin. I want to open a bank account for this business, and they're just like, what? Uh, no, uh, this sounds illegal. Um, leave me alone. Um, so I probably banged my head against, um, against that for a few months before kind of, uh, going back to the drawing board. Uh, at the time I was also really deep into, uh, iOS development. I was just picking that up and, um, ended up diverting, you know, outside of just buying, uh, Bitcoin, ended up just spending, uh, uh about three, four years just fully focused on, on iOS development until 
started Pocket in, in, in late 2016. And, and just to be clear, if you drove around to the banks today and say you'd like to start a Bitcoin business, they'll say the exact same thing. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing's yeah. really changed. They, they still hate uh, the, the thought of alternative money. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was the first thing. That was yeah, that was, that, that took me back. No one's ever asked that before. And, and, and uh, well, good. See, it's, that's yeah. what we do. We ask you some of the, the more interesting things and bring back some memories. So, so now uh, again, you know, it, it's um, and back then, I think for anyone that's kind of maybe just getting into cryptocurrencies or maybe entered in the last you know twenty four ish months, this is a very mature industry compared to where it was back in, in even 2015, you know, where oh, it matured and, and we kind of had the, the, for, the first major bull rush uh, prior to the crash in the winter. I mean, that was considered like it's mainstream now. And I think that we're sitting right here on the opposite side of, of the next of the, the, the second crash, uh, major crash. And, and people are going, oh, well, that was a fun experiment. And it's over. And, and, you know, I, I really want to just say, and again, this is my personal opinion, that's a sign of maturity. Like we have to have these bubbles. We have to be able to push the edge of these technologies. And I don't even believe so much that, that what we're looking at today uh, is representative of the cryptocurrency market or technologies. We're m- mainly dealing with a lot of inflation and global issues. Uh, and I don't think that Terra helped anyone by having a crash prior to the crash. So it was really kind of like a double-edged sword where we got nailed, you know, once and then, you know, immediately kind of leveled out and just got nailed again. So um, it's like getting hit with the, the the big wave and then the tsunami right after it. It's kind of, you're already off your feet. So here, so here we are. Um, but again, I, I don't say that from a bad perspective. It's just the reality of where we are. And, and entrepreneurs like yourself, Michael, are clearly dealing with that. Um, let's, let's pivot over and talk about everything that you've built around Pocket Network. Because to me, this is one of the core features that Web3 needs uh, to, to reach mainstream adoption. You know, We have to make it easier than, than the way it is today. Um, and there's got to be resources for companies like you know, what YWales represents uh, to manage this. So, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, give us that elevator pitch of, uh, of Pocket yeah, so so Pocket uh, exists because we um, started playing around with Ethereum. My co-founders and I had a previous startup uh, in in late 2016. Started writing smart contracts and um, used a, a, a centralized infrastructure service. And um, uh, two, uh, and the service was was in Fira back in 2016, 2017, and they're still around today. One of the largest ones, uh, uh, really providing uh, a good service to people today. And uh, as 2017 rolled along, we saw how important Infura was to the Ethereum ecosystem. And to be clear, Infura is a is a developer tool, uh, basically is a it's a it's a quick start API that lets you connect your app to the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, but we saw how important Infura uh, was to the Ethereum ecosystem, and and how much Ethereum really relied at the time on on Infura. Um, uh, you know, use every ICO, every, you know, CryptoKitties, uh, uh, you know, at the time it was EtherDelta, uh, uh, if you remember that. Uh, but, um, you know, everything was using Infura. And, and uh, kind of our core thought behind this was, look, we have these incredible decentralized blockchains with Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, but we're going to continue to see um, kind of bottlenecks uh, uh, up the stack, uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, if we're part of building this this new kind of internet, right, where from Web one we went to some some we had you know, everyone was extremely optimistic. Web two made a lot more people uh, uh, pretty cynical about things, and now you see people a lot more optimistic about things in, in Web three. Um, uh, if we're going to kind of rebuild this kind of the right way, um, there's going to be other important bottlenecks that need to be taken care of, um, and and this is all kind of under the hood stuff from. Storage to you know node infrastructure to VPNs to DNS, and um, we kind of saw uh, node infrastructure as as kind of a key piece to this puzzle to kind of build a truly censorship resistant and, and decentralized internet. And no matter where you are in the stack, whether you're Uniswap or you know ENS or, or HNS, um, at some point everyone needs to touch a full node. <laughs> Uh, whether it's getting a balance from your MetaMask wallet, submitting a transaction on Uniswap, and even exchanges that 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 are sending transactions, right? At some point, you always need to touch a full node. So we thought this was a pretty important piece to tackle, uh, and we had seen lots of posts um, uh, back in the day uh, from uh, uh, you know the Bitcoin Talk forums or the E3 Search forums about hey. You need to incentivize. We need to figure out how to incentivize full nodes uh, uh, because that's where we get all this data from. Uh, uh, the challenge at the time, though, was that everyone was kind of thinking about it from a 
you know, a Bitcoin point of view or an Ethereum specific point of view. And um, uh, uh, really, you know, the core thesis is that we we think there'll be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of blockchains, rollups, L2s, you, you name it uh, in the future. So, so we kind of took it from a first principles uh, uh, thinking of, okay, there's going to be tons of blockchains. Um, how do we design a system to kind of support this um, this kind of full node infrastructure? So, um, really, uh, with all that said, you can you can think of Pocket as a, as a very simple uh, middleware protocol that um, sits in between a DAP and a full node and uh, provides um, uh, really data, specific data, what we call RPC data, um, at scale, uh, uh, which is really what makes the bulk of every DAP that we use today. Uh, uh, and 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 Pocket is a is a truly decentralized and permissionless solution to uh, kind of providing this um, uh, uh, kind of solving this this bottleneck related to the kind of full node API infrastructure layer. Yeah, and and so <clears throat> I always like to make sure that that everyone listening really understands what we're what kind of from a higher level uh, perspective what you're looking at. So the the DApps when they need to kind of grab pricing, they need to understand you know what's liquidity look like. You know they can go to the to the main node. <laughs> they can they can obviously go over there. But if if Ethereum is running slow, if if you know any of the L2s are having issues, like. Let's be clear, blockchain is not fast um, yet. Uh, and, and so what you're doing with Pocket is you're sitting in there and just replicating the data, just essentially mirroring it, but giving a higher bandwidth availability for the dApps to at least see what's going on. They're still obviously doing the reading and writing on the actual uh, L1, L2, wherever it is. Um, but you're, you're just providing read access to help speed up that, that visual, um, visual process. Yeah, read write access. So, so when you load a web page, right? Okay. If you load, you know, Uniswap or 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 you know, pick your DAP, right? You'll see how long it takes for that data to load, right? You know, it might take half a second, it might take two hundred milliseconds, it might take you know three seconds, right? Uh, Pocket exists to serve that information um, uh, as quickly, as scalably, and as reliably as possible. Now, obviously, with uh, Pocket, and you guys are adding in you know quite a bit of, of features here. You can grab uh, multiple chains data yeah yeah so so pocket you can actually think of as kind of like a uniswap for for node infrastructure so um uh, what that means is um it's uh, anyone can add their blockchain uh, to pocket uh, so if you want to spin up uh, j chain as an example uh, uh and you have a block explorer a wallet whatever it might be um uh, by sending that traffic through pocket you will incentivize people to spin up J chain nodes to provide that data to those front ends effectively. Um, and in a world where we're increasingly multi-chain, uh, where we have, you know, bridges and, and all these different multi-chain apps, um, having one interface to access all this information is, is increasingly important. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point that uh, really we're watching and it's almost scary how much web three is mirroring web one. Um, because in the old days and, and you've been around a while, so you understand the coding side of this in the early days of web one, when you, ha- when you started a website, all you couldn't have multiple servers data on your website. So if you wanted to display pictures, you actually had to download them from somewhere else or create them yourselves and upload them because you're a browser could only manage a single connection at a time. Um, and so, you know, where we think about it right now, you can go on to, you know, a single website and it's, it's grabbing hundreds of servers. It's grabbing all sorts of cookies and everything else from all over the place. Um, and we think of that as just, that's just the way things are. But in, in, uh, in web three, which is again, very similar to, to early web one, um, you know, are you on Ethereum? Are you on Solana? And we don't want to talk about anything else from from that perspective. They're not there. So you guys are actually solving a, a huge problem. Um, what, what's the response been from the the dev community? Are, are they responsive and and you know kind of adapting with you, or is there any pushback? Yeah, no. People are uh, developers have definitely been excited uh, in using Pocket, uh, particularly over the last ten to twelve months or so. Um, as we start to see, um, we've started to see, for example. Uh, subnets on Avalanche. We're starting to see supernets on on Polygon, uh, Cosmos chains, Parachains, ETH two shards, Near shards, um, even eventually Celestia rollups, and and every other layer two out there. Um, uh, uh, there's an increasing need for people to um, uh, offload this infrastructure. Um, uh, you know, teams want to be as focused as possible, and it's. It's very similar to um, uh, you know a traditional startup offloading their payment processing to Stripe, right? Um, in Pocket, uh, you can think of it as instead of 
that core team running all these full nodes, they offload it to a service like like Pocket. And when you are in a um, environment where, as a centralized company, you kind of have to justify the cost and the effort needed to spin up a new chain, uh, Pocket removes that completely. Um, uh, uh, as long as there is a market for requests, uh, there will be a set of nodes willing to serve that information within the network. So, um, you know, we actually have a queue now of, of, you know, more than what the team can handle in terms of adding new chains. So we're, you know, you know, coming up with creative ways ways to kind of scale this through the community as opposed to, you know, hiring a team of, of 150 DevOps people. But um, uh, generally, the, the response has been fantastic, um, particularly because Pocket is, is, is just as fast, if not faster, in some respects uh, uh, when it comes to this latency side of things and also reliable because we've got... Um, you know, dozens, if not uh, over a hundred uh, different types of setups across 30 countries, uh, people running the cloud, bare metal, data centers, even in their own homes, right? So if Amazon Web Services East goes down, uh, Pocket keeps keeps operating uh, uh, like, like like normal operating uh, procedure. So, Well, as long as I can push you a little bit on, on the uh, nitty gritty on the tech side, t- talk to us about kind of what your, how your nodes operate. Like, are they, you know, obviously pr- uh, most likely proof of stake, those type of things, but, but what's the, you know, how does the token integrate with, with the, uh, with the nodes and, and as well as what, you know, how do you monetizing data in and out? Yeah. So I, I like to use the, uh, the analogy of, um, kind of video game design, actually. Um, so you have, uh, uh sources and sinks. Um, in our case, the source is each request that an end user makes through the network. So that could be, you know, a request for your balance on your MetaMask wallet, as an example, right? And every time someone creates a request, that creates the ability for a node within our network to create Pocket for that work that they did, right? So, so that's really the only source that we have in the network today, and that's divided amongst a couple parties. But, but at a high level, um, uh, every time a request comes through the network. That gives the ability for a node to actually create Pocket, which is a, the native token of, of, of the Pocket blockchain. Um, and in terms of syncs, um, it's a two-sided marketplace. So you have two people that want to stake Pocket for two different reasons. Um, you have nodes that want to stake Pocket to uh, have the right to do work. Um, that acts as collateral, so in case they lie, cheat, um, do something bad within the network, um, they automatically get slashed and get their money deleted. Right, um, And on the application side, um, they actually stake Pocked for a very different reason. Um, they, they do it for the service, uh, for the reliable and, and fast uh, uh, infrastructure service for their dApps. So you've got this environment where you've got uh, uh, nodes and apps staking Pocked uh, uh, and uh, kind of creating, let's call it, um, uh, those rewards or depending on how you count it, uh, kind of revenue for the nodes. And in the end, you've kind of got this balance of, of, of um, kind of... Uh, Pocked taken taken out of circulation and um, uh, nodes creating pocked and and there's some burning mechanisms there contemplated for for later but but effectively um, uh, it's a staking minting and and uh, uh, burning system. So um, talk about a little bit about the the tokenomics. So is it a, a is there a cap? Is there a um, you know what what I think right now you're a little bit over a billion uh, looks uh, looks like on chain. So what, you know what what's the what's the short, medium, and kind of long term? I forget price. I'd never talk about price, but kind of how is how do you see this evolving? Especially when you're talking about adding a burning mechanism because that that changes a lot. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I like to. Uh, uh, we we use three uh, different kind of phases for the protocol. Uh, uh, one is a bootstrap uh, phase. One is a growth phase, and the other one is is the maturity phase, right? And if you think about it, um, kind of in traditional startups, um, uh, it's a bit kind of like a like a J curve, uh, where you put a lot of investment, and um, eventually you kind of reach profitability, right? Um, so we've kind of bootstrapped this network uh, through heavy incentives uh, uh, for for nodes, which has allowed us to get to kind of the quality of service that we have today. Um, over time, we've reduced those kind of incentives, if you will, um, uh, to kind of bring uh, bring them in line to something something a little bit more reasonable. And um, uh, as we get more mature, um, meaning you know, let's say apps uh, app staking or app paying apps paying for pockets starts to slow down. Um, at that point, we'll start to introduce uh, kind of the app burning, which um, uh, uh, one thing I didn't mention is that Pocket is is an infinitely inflationary token. Um, so at um, at maturity, um, what you'll have is you'll have apps staking Pocket. Um, uh, they'll effectively get burned as they use the service. And that is roughly equivalent or will be roughly equivalent to the amount of Pocket 
that nodes are minting for that ser- for, for providing that service. Um, so effectively, what you have is a really efficient value transfer mechanism, uh, because traditionally what you'll see is people sending fees over L1s or in state channels. And um, if you're kind of in what we call you know, incurring the cost of coordination, meaning if I send you ETH right now, you know, all of the miners need to spend a bunch of electricity to to um, uh, 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 to kind of mine that block, right, or, or to have the right to, to produce a block, right? Um, uh, uh, and in our case, uh, if you think about just the energy of just staking once and then kind of topping up that stake, uh, uh, it's much less, uh, significantly less, right? Um, and you can kind of think of it like like Bitcoin mining, where you know you've got you've had situations in, for, for example, previous bear markets where um, you know the price uh, uh, reached a point to where it was no longer profitable to to reach or to to mine Bitcoin, right? Uh, Pocket has a very similar dynamic, right? Where 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 as long as um, you know the bandwidth and electricity and the server costs, um, uh, as long as they're earning enough Pocket uh, uh, to kind of cover those costs, then you're effectively a, a profitable business. I mean, that's kind of how we uh, say sustainable, uh, uh, particularly through through periods like this. <laughs> Listen, and, and it's uh, I, I'm sure it's a lot of fun during periods like this. So let's just you know for a quick second again, you you very clearly understand blockchain architecture and, and a lot going on, um, and you're tied in with a number of, of L1s, L2s, and and potentially even some level zeros. What, what are you seeing in the overall you know ecosystem out there? I mean, I, I we believe I believe uh, you know and. And kind of being chain agnostic, there's a lot, a lot going on. There's you know, there's positives and negatives to to each each uh, chain and whatnot. But you know, kind of where are you seeing the innovation in the industry? You know, Bitcoin's Bitcoin. Proof of work is it's going to be proof of work forever. Um, you know, Ethereum's making the switch from proof of work to proof of stake. You know, I can personally say with zero experience or knowledge, I I, I think that's you know <laughs> going to be a, a very much larger challenge than than uh, I think most people are letting on, um, but but you know talked about your our, I'd love to hear your opinions of, of where things uh, are, are headed. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty clear we're we're going towards a, a very multi chain world. Um, uh, I think we're starting to see stronger incentives um, for developer tooling. I think people are starting to see the importance of this sort of thing. Um, I've seen several projects now that are that are really focused on on and unique, uh, uh, really focused on kind of incentivizing um, uh, updating GitHub repos as an example and this sort of thing. Um, but but more broadly, um, I think anything that uh, uh, we're, we're going to see really big success in things that are really good at abstracting uh, kind of the underlying chains, um, absent the settlement layer. Um, I think in the end. Um, uh, end users uh, don't necessarily care too much about what chain they're using, um, and I think that developers um, uh, also. Um, I'm starting to see increasing that developers don't necessarily care uh, uh, what chains they're using. Um, uh, you know, and also we, we see a trend where you know you have a set of early adopters uh, for let's say Ethereum or Solana or Near or you know name your L1 um, uh, and. You, know, you start to see slowing down of their growth of community, given the inflection points of the token itself, even right. And and what ha- what's happening is that developers are saying, okay, great, there's a new L1 that I can um, really contribute to, and really see, um, uh, 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 let's call it that upside. And and I think we're going to start to see a continuing um, uh, uh, movement of people uh, as these communities start to ossify and and get a little bit more mature. Um, uh, also, there's a there's a really interesting tension um, between kind of generic L1s and, and app chains, right? Application specific blockchains, for example. I'm seeing a lot of games that start on a generic L1 uh, that start to feel kind of this cost of coordination that I that I mentioned earlier. Yep. Uh, I think this is pretty clear with with games like Kravata uh, or DeFi Kingdoms, uh, Kravata on on Avalanche, DeFi Kingdoms on on Harmony, where you know, they, they caused so much traffic and congestion on these base chains that they were like, hey, look, I need to create a subnet uh, and have this application-specific chain. And, and at some point, that tension, um, whether it's a game or DeFi um, or really anything else, um, uh, kind of becomes um, too, um, too weighted on one side. And I think you'll start to see kind of an unbundling uh, uh, you know, it's debatable whether anything was ever bundled in the first place in, th- in this industry, but um, you'll start to see a peeling off of um, kind of apps over time, in my opinion. And, and frankly, I think we'll start to we'll, we'll see as many roll-ups as there are uh, uh, as there are startups today. To be honest, 
No, I, and, and you said a couple of points that I, I really do agree with, and that's number one, the, the consumers are, are caring less and less. The more we get into that kind of adoption curve of going towards mainstream, the less and less people have any idea. They've heard of Bitcoin, they've heard of Ethereum, they may have heard of one or two others, but I can I can promise you as someone that runs a, a large community and we onboard you know people that are interested in crypto every day, um, you'd be shocked how, how many people may own crypto that have no idea how to self-custody or have any idea what, what the use case is. Um, I think I saw just, a, you know, prior prior to last month, I saw a note um, <clears throat> that only 1.5 million Ethereum wallets hold one ETH or more. That's, that's so early. And so, you know, as we kind yep. of get into the mainstream adoption, it, it, like, again, I always go back to this Web 1 versus Web 3. Like, we started off with Web 1 with like, you, you had to type in the TCP IP address. Like you had to know where you wanted to go. And there's like some old jokes about like literally on the side of my monitor, you would have like sticky notes with like, here's, here's the websites that I like to see because they hadn't even gotten, uh, you know, DNS wasn't even around. There wasn't any way to resolve this and, and forget, you know, dialing into the actual server, um, which is very similar to what we're seeing today. How do you, how do you see, you know, clearly you're trying to solve those issues from a data flow management. Um, um, do you see you guys elevating a little bit more to kind of that DNS routing um, uh, of kind of apps uh, o- overall? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, um, yeah, I had this conversation with with Luis, uh, my co-founder, um, uh, not too long ago. I was like, "Hey, man, what if we included smart contracts?" And he, he almost had a, a conniption uh, uh, asking <laughs> him that. But uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But but. Um, you know, Pocket is solving a very specific problem, and, and there's actually interesting things that can be done um, within the kind of generic architecture of, of Pocket. Um, if you think about it, um, any blockchain that we support uh, is basically an open source database, right? Um, and that can be extended to other types of open source databases. So um, I can see us moving up the stack into um, indexing, as an example. Um, uh, so that's another layer of this kind of middleware stack, if you will. Um, uh, that's quite important. Um, you know, that's really critical for when you're seeing um, historical on-chain data. Uh, if you look at, you know, you know, charts on Uniswap or anything like that, historical charts. Um, if you're digging through the state trees of the Ethereum database, um, that will take you a very, very long time to get the full history of, you know, the MakerDAO token as an example, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where indexing really comes in into play, where it allows you to get this historical information much more quickly and efficiently uh, on a kind of DAP by DAP basis. So, so Pocket can really support any open source database indexing included. Um, uh, and, you know, extending that, uh, it doesn't have to be anything related to cryptocurrency necessarily. I mean, you could even run um, uh, machine learning models on uh, a database supported by Pocket, right? As long as every um, kind of node has, let's say, a, um, a, a consistent interface within a specific, let's say, I don't know, uh, Tesla, you know, you name it, uh, machine learning model, whatever it is, um, uh, Pocket can actually compute that and, and serve it, right? Um, so that's kind of on the on, on the kind of database side of things. Um, you know, Pocket also, you can think of it as kind of the inverse of an Oracle system, kind of like Chainlink. Um, so what Chainlink does is they take off-chain data, they validate it, and put that on-chain. Um, what Pocket does is take on-chain data, validates it, and sends it to the end user, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and through the crypto-economic security uh, that we've designed within Pocket, um, it wouldn't be too far-fetched, for example, to um, uh, to maybe deploy some smart contracts, uh, uh, maybe through Layer 2 on top of Pocket or, or whatever it might be, and actually have um, uh, really strong crypto-economic incentives for people to provide data uh, uh, for smart contracts on-chain. Um, you know, moving forward, you know, outside of that, um, uh, there's that we have some pretty crazy far out ideas uh, that we think could be possible, but just some some, some stuff that we think we've we, we we've kind of bantered around. Um, you know, if you you know, if our pocket DAO bought a bunch of global data centers around the world, <laughs> you could have a really interesting intranet in passing around data. Um, uh, 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 that which is quite interesting, and, and there's some farther out stuff like, for example, trustless swaps. Um, you know with the crypto economic security and, and these sorts of things. But um, uh, we really want to really want to nail the, uh, the, the, the blockchain use case first uh, and, and really do a good, good job there before, before really kind of moving up the stack. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting to, to always remember, you know, <clears throat> 
you you can build a better mousetrap in Web three and be insanely successful with it if you get adoption and you you have the integration correct. And so a lot of the the concepts of of your saying that you're throwing out are not new concepts to to the you know Web one Web two, um, but in Web three they're just not built out yet. Or somebody tried and and quite simply was either too advantageous or, or just quite simply it was the wrong time. So I'm thrilled to see you getting adoption because this is one of those services that is absolutely necessary uh, for, for global infrastructure to be able to build. I mean, the, the chains are fabulous, um, but, you know, even Solana, which, you know, run can, can hit up to about 400,000 TPS before it crashes and has to be rebooted. Um, you know, that's, that's, that, that's not, you know, mainstream by any means. So, you know, what you guys are doing by taking any amount of pressure off of those chains any amount of pressure off those nodes and, and relaying to it is speeding up and, and also lowering the gas prices for everyone. So I really, you know, I, I think that's something that needs to be said is, um, you know, if you're whining about Ethereum gas prices is if you didn't have a bunch of the dApps using using Pocket, you'd still, I mean, again, it would just continually slow things down, even though it's not a an actionable item, <clears throat> um, you know, to, to, to pull those things, it, it would definitely hurt you. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say it's it's so much on 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 the gas prices, more so on removing the load from the teams to have to deal with running the infrastructure. Um, it's kind gotcha. of like allowing um, uh, you know Solana, for example, to just focus on 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 fixing the bugs with you know with 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 their chain or any team to just even ship their blockchain or their layer two. Um, it's really um, uh, just removing a critical piece of launching a blockchain. Um, and this is why I think that 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 we'll we'll live in a world with as many blockchains as as there are startups because you starting starting to have specific protocols or teams or products that are gradually kind of um, uh, peeling back the onion so that uh, kind of the core team really focuses on shipping, you know, what they're good at, right, or what they've really thought about, right. The, the problem is that there's a whole bunch of external issues and 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 things that teams uh, really um, need to focus on to execute launching an entire blockchain, whether it's economic models, infrastructure, indexing, um, uh, uh, you name it. And Pocket really removes that need, allowing teams to really, really ship faster and 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 save on costs, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, listen, it is, and especially right now, any, any cost savings and any talent savings, yes. because it, as I'm sure you're very aware, talent is, is incredibly scarce. Right now in, in this in this Web three world, how do you guys manage uh, you know talent acquisition? What's your what's your team makeup like? Are you guys uh, centralized, decentralized? Let's let's hear a little bit about how you make the magic work. Yeah, yeah, we're about fifty people across fourteen countries. Um, uh, my my three other co founders. So I, I live in in Tampa Bay, Florida. Two of them live in in Dominican Republic, and the fourth one she lives in in Colombia, and or in Colombia. And and uh, what's ended up happening is that my uh, co-founder Luis, uh, he's managed to recruit. He went to the top engineering school in Dominican Republic, and he's managed to recruit multiple generations of um, uh, uh, people, either he's worked with or, or from the university, uh, on part of the engineering side. Um, but um, in terms of recruiting, you know, it's interesting. Uh, smart people want to work on on hard problems, and um, we are pretty differentiated in terms of you know being just another DeFi app or NFT app or or whatever it might be. And it's actually just through, frankly, our own growth uh, over the last 10 months, uh, it's actually created an incredible inbound um, uh, uh, in terms of really incredible talent. Um, for example, a good friend of mine, um, I've known him actually longer than I've known my co-founders, you know, things worked out and, uh, uh, you know, he went from uh, uh, working at Magic Leap and Waymo to, to working, you know, at Pocket as an example. And, and, and that's kind of, this kind of creates network effects um, uh, of, of people wanting to work with other smart people and, and, and work on hard problems. So um, we've actually had a pretty nice, um, I think for us, the hardest thing to hire for is, um, frankly, uh, Tendermint engineers. Uh, it's a very uh, specific uh, 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 role. And us being a Tendermint blockchain, um, uh, there's very extremely limited capacity uh, uh, of, um, of, of that specific skill set. Uh, but outside of that, um, uh, you know, it's, you know, by, by being remote first, it's allowed us to um, uh, really recruit across the world and um, uh, being being really remote for now, it's going on six years building pocket, you know, it's been in our culture from the very beginning. So, so the you know some of the things that you know again Web two and 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 Web three have solved very easily is you can easily 
coordinate. We can we can do zooms. We can we can talk to teams all day long. You can send you know money in a in a flash uh, to, for payment and whatnot. <clears throat> How are you managing time zones? How are you managing you know the, these teams? Which again, you've got fourteen countries, and unless you've got them vertically aligned in, in North and South America, I'm sure you've got some over in Eurasia. Um, you know, how, how's that been with kind of trying to deal with a global, a global team? Cause it's, it's, it's a new thing for me to deal with. Yeah. I think, um, it's a lot of asynchronous communication, a lot of documentation. Um, uh, I think the biggest challenge we have is having someone on the West coast on the engineering side, uh, in, in Vancouver, for example, and working with, um, an infrastructure, one of our infrastructure leads in Paris, for example. So, cool. so that's the biggest gap that we have. Um, but, um, you know, it's finding those quick meetings that, that we try to minimize, uh, 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 whether it's daily or weekly, um, uh, that, that, you know, finding a time that makes sense. Uh, and, and really it's just a lot of, it's a lot of written communication, um, a lot of asynchronous, um, coordination. Um, uh, and it's been, um, you know, we've had some growing pains. We, we recently grew from about 20 people to, to 50 and over the course of about three to uh, four to four to six months. And uh, we definitely had a few growing pains, but um, it's more so on the process side of things uh, uh, more than more than anything. But, um, you know, uh, uh, one tip is, is, you know, one thing that we found successful is, is actually creating a kind of constellation of, of discords to kind of avoid um, avoid the noise. Uh, between each kind of individual team, but then having a a, a kind of single silo Discord where everyone kind of meets, so kind of like a hub and spoke model, if you will, uh, we found um, uh, uh, relatively successful so far. Yeah, I, I need more Discord servers in my life, so I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Right? I, I appreciate that recommendation. <laughs> so um, let's 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 talk about like for for myself. Let's say uh, myself or Y Whales, we we want to run a node. We we like to get one spun up. Um, you know, I've got I've got a server room in my building here. Uh, talk talk a little bit about kind of the process of of what's needed, um, and and you know even even not cost, but how many tokens you'd have to have to to spin up a node. Yeah, you need a uh, fifteen thousand pocket uh, minimum to to run a pocket node, and what's great is that there are several different options that someone can um, utilize to to actually participate in the network. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to, to uh, uh, Node Pilot. Um, uh, they've actually allowed um, uh, hundreds of people at this point to run individual nodes within the network uh, with a very nice uh, GUI or, or or nice you know user interface uh, where you just very simply. Say hey, uh, you know, you set up your your domain, you set up your POCT, They've got great documentation, and um, uh, uh, you just say, click deploy node. <laughs> Very easy. Um, uh, if you want to go um, hard, a little bit hard, more hardcore, you know, if you can make your way around a terminal, um, uh, uh, there's lots of great documentation. There's also kind of tools um, uh, that have been built to kind of monitor your infrastructure. All these sorts of things. Um, there's quite a few repositories with great documentation as well. That um, that that you know, for 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 the bold uh, to to kind of dive into uh, a terminal. Um, and uh, lastly, we have you know we have several uh, node providers as well within the network. So if you'd rather pay a monthly fee, um, uh, or you know have them take a percentage of of, of your rewards, for example, um, you can kind of set it and forget it and, and use a a, a node provider. Uh, but what's really interesting is that like the the tooling. Has kind of lagged a little bit behind our growth in terms, especially of, of blockchains. So where it was, you know, kind of difficult to run a single node, uh, today it's actually quite simple to run a fleet of fifty node pilot nodes, as an example, right? Um, and as we start to add more blockchains, the tooling kind of catches up to what an individual with relatively little, let's say, you know, DevOps terminal, you know, uh, experience can actually run themselves. Um, uh, and that's really nice to see. Um, uh, 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 that's been a really nice development uh, that we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months. That's awesome. And how many nodes uh, did you say you're, you guys are running right now, or people are running? Yeah, the network has uh, almost 50,000 nodes across wow. uh, 30, 30 something countries. Um, and, and that's really why we've been able to uh, be just as fast, if not faster, than, than centralized services. Because really, what causes latency these days is, is the speed of light. Uh, and if I am in um, Germany and I have to hit the the servers that are in in Ireland, for example. That's a much longer hop than me hitting, uh, for example, a server that's in Frankfurt, as an example, right? So um, uh, that distribution has actually allowed us, um, and the amount of nodes and that the clustering of those nodes around these regions uh, has actually uh, been incredibly beneficial for us. 
That's amazing. So you, you've got a, a, a number of things coming down your, your roadmap here. And I just, I, I really like the way you guys have a naming convention. Uh, Protofish? Yes. Yeah, that's part of, uh, that's part of V1. Um, uh, uh, so we're, uh, uh, we're, we're actually completely rebuilding um, Pocket from scratch. Uh, actually, we just uh, launched the very first fully-fledged uh, prototype uh, from end-to-end um, of V1 uh, this week, actually, um, oh, yesterday. Wow. Um, so it's a huge accomplishment from the team. It's something we've been thinking about since since last summer, and we released kind of the specs for V1 January this year. And um, you know, six months later, we actually got the full uh, functional prototype, which is very exciting. But but the protofish is the 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 um, uh, the, the the previous before the, the full fisherman, uh, yep. which is kind of part of the new model uh, of or part of the new model with with V1. But really, that's that's one of the most important things that we're working on today is is, is shipping V1 uh, by by next year, hopefully. And 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 that the new version will include you know the governance of of starting to work towards a DAO, correct? Yeah, well, we have actually a fully fledged and, and operational DAO today. Okay. Um, uh, we really view, um, uh, you know, we, we've always viewed Pocket. We're not really building a business. We're we're building more of a of a country. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is is you know we've we've avoided, for example, token weighted voting. Um, we in fact have what we call an opt in democracy. So basically, you prove uh, your kind of quote unquote citizenship within the pocket ecosystem by running nodes, by being an application, by being active in the community, uh, and through some things that are impossible to automate through bots, uh, and you effectively claim your vote. Uh, and we've had, um, up until now, we've had uh, 24 voters, but we've just had a pretty big improvement to the process. And I think uh, we're going to be looking at 50 voters pretty soon. And these are all people that have been in the community, running nodes, building applications for you know well over a year if not years at this point that's awesome talk to about let's talk just briefly about community <clears throat> you know to me that's the most important side is you can build you can have a beautiful project you can have a you know amazing uh concept but if you don't have like people behind yes. it um it falls apart really quick what's what's it been like to kind of have to build and, and nurture that community yeah, let me tell you, this is uh, probably one of the most incredible things, um, uh, and probably one of the most, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just absolutely one of the most incredible things that I've seen um, uh, in almost two years of the protocol being live. So, <clears throat> Pocket's a relatively technical project, right? And um, uh, early on, uh, 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 we had a pretty strong filter for people to come in, uh, meaning just difficulty of running nodes, this sort of thing. So, really, only those who are really Kind of hardcore about uh, trying to run nodes and seeing the problem started filtering in, and as a result, uh, it's it's actually created a bit of a uh, uh, of a foundation for our community. And and now we've seen, you know, I mentioned Node Pilot. We've got dozens, or we've got tons of um, uh, node providers uh, that have actually raised money on top of Pocket and are extremely active um, through their businesses, um, uh, you know, in the forums and in the, in the community and this sort of thing. We've got a group of kids, uh, they're, they're the Thunderhead crew, um, 13 and 17 year old that have built so much on top of Pocket. Uh, it's an incredible amount. And, and we've got this entire group of really technical and sophisticated people really who have built the foundation of, of, of where we're at today. And it's kind of being shown because, you know, uh, as I was mentioning about the economics earlier, um, uh, uh, we never put in any kind of, let's say, Bitcoin type halvings or anything like that. Uh, we kind of said, "Hey, look, we don't know how fast we'll grow, where we'll be at in a year, two years. Let's um, uh, uh, let, let's leave that to the DAO and, and making that decision of, of when to kind of lower rewards, you know, reduce inflation, whatever it might be." And and we've seen um, one proposal pass back in January, February timeframe that says, "Hey, we're going to lower everything by ninety percent." And the fact that you could that we were able to entrust uh, uh, kind of everyone saying collectively, "Hey." We are going to make less money. <laughs> um, uh, uh, is actually um, something one of the things I'm most proud about. And, and in fact, we have multiple proposals today uh, doing something similar. Um, you know, acknowledging you know where the network is today, where we want to be in three years, and everyone uh, who are really voting and, and <clears throat> talking on the forums see this this kind of long term vision, um, uh, which is just one of the most exciting things, um, uh, to be honest for me. So, you know, not, not to say that things aren't easy, but definitely, um, 
uh, things get te- tense at times and, and the forums, uh, you know, we have to do some moderation at times, but, um, you know, all in all, it's, it's actually really incredible. I mean, I recommend just taking a look at the forums, um, just even over the last you know, couple of days or weeks, um, you'll see the activity. It's, it's actually quite remarkable. I, I love that. And, you know, there's so much about community to, you know, to have your back in these projects and really to be engaging in, in that perspective uh, is just beyond amazing. So as we kind of head, head into the final segment here, which is Alpha Drop, um, and again, no financial advice, don't, you know, don't, don't ever listen to anything I have to say, uh, but, but Michael, you should. And so, you know, what are you seeing? Because you, under, you have a very core understanding of blockchain. You have a lot of understanding of, of you know, where this ecosystem is going because, uh, you know, not only are you uh, looking at this from a, from a perspective from pocket, but like you guys need to, I'm sure you're reading every white paper that exists. I'm sure you're looking at, uh, you know, a lot of the details. So, so what's what's got you excited right now? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely a few things, but uh, if if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably pick uh, Celestia. Um, they're not they're not live yet, um, but um, you know some of the technical innovation and uh, eventually UX innovation. Um, uh, I think if they can pull it off, is just uh, I think pretty pretty game changing. Um, they, they really, um, are pushing this, uh, kind of modular blockchain, uh, idea. And, um, what that does is basically, you know, uh, we, we, you know, today, if you look in Ethereum node, it's a very, what we call monolithic client. So everything is, um, kind of within this Ethereum node and they've managed to come up with this way to basically separate consensus from, from settlement or, 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 or other things, uh, which I think, Will allow uh, further this, you know, as unbiased as possible, um, this kind of really truly multi-blockchain future. Um, and um, frankly, I'm just, you know, there, there there's some interesting questions about it, but um, it's it's, you know, it's one of these things where I, I view as, you know, we went from Bitcoin to Ethereum, and and I think Celestia might actually be kind of that Ethereum to to to, to kind of that next level uh, kind of innovation, which um, I think I'm just. Incredibly excited for. Again, it's not live yet. You know, a ton of things could go wrong, obviously. But but just generally, <laughs> um, uh, I'm very excited about the vision. So so uh, real quick, because I again I, I don't know anything about these guys. So the first modular blockchain network, and I just want to point out that one of their initial bullet points is deploying a blockchain as easily as a smart contract. That's not a really like comforting. <laughs> statement right there for anyone who's deployed a smart contract um there's a lot of work there so this is not you know like the idea around like the squarespace uh, of websites is i think what they're getting after here in fact i think it's a little different here because it seems like you know they want you to um scaling made simple choose your you know execution environment so it it really sounds like kind of blockchains to go or blockchain in a box like hey what what do you need for your kind of project or, or for your company um which I think is again absolutely that that's what you know Polkadot and a bunch of these other ones with the parachains are trying to do. This seems very um, very interesting. Do you, so? Do you know the team or, or anyone that's been working? Yeah, on Yeah, I've, I've I've met them. I've, I've met them in person a couple times. Um, uh, I've met Nick and, and Mustafa and chatted with them a few times uh, in, in the past. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, way to put it um, in terms of kind of Squarespace for for blockchains. Um, we're still a long ways away from that. To be clear, I think they're. Um, being very um, honest with with their marketing when they say as easy as as as, as deploying a smart contract, um, which I think is a good thing, frankly, because um, they are, are obviously very very early. But um, uh, nonetheless, you know, there's some interesting uh, features that I think that that are, are enabled uniquely by by Celestia. Uh, you know, I talked about bridging earlier, and um, to be able to have, you know tens of thousands of Celestia rollups and be able to bridge assets safely across those rollups um, is actually, I, I don't want to, it's hard to overstate how, how big of a deal that is. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I say constantly there's two main issues with main adoption that until these are solved, we're never going to get anywhere. Number one is wallets, the wallets and the entire infrastructure around wallets is garbage. Um, seed keys, unchangeable seed keys, yeah. uh, how hackable and everything are like to me. This is just it's just yes. useless. Uh, I, I haven't seen a single wallet of which I, I, I agree with yet. And I think that people have made some great innovations, but we still got we haven't seen that product. <clears throat> and the and the two is bridges. You know, the, the, to have a a chain agnostic, it can't cost you 
Like if you want to move $20 from, from chain A to chain B, it can't cost you $40 to do it. Um, you need to have a, a very, you know, kind of near gas free layer zero to be able to move your assets around, wrap, unwrap. I mean, there's no reason for people to be wrapping and unwrapping, you know, constantly when there's already the stuff on chain. So I, I love this idea and this is, this is very cool. So yeah, to your first point, you. I wonder, I wonder if, um, social recovery will be, um, kind of that Netscape moment. For, for for Web three more broadly, and for kind of that broad adoption that you you know you mentioned, you know, I, I I actually I think it's TradFi. I think I think this is uh, where you know DeFi will meet TradFi, and I think that that having you got to remember there's there's a gazillion banks around the world that exist today that are going to continue to exist even when we get mainstream crypto adoption. Like anyone that thinks that that, that you know DeFi is just going to going to run over and these banks are going to be you know uh, you know uh, Taco yeah. Bell's the next day is is kind of missing missing a lot of of who those customers are. But the idea yeah. that you can have have a, a fully KYC wallet that is hosted by your, your bank. I absolutely can tell you that I, I've talked to numerous people that are working on this problem right now. So um, you can you can still do the the Ethereum wallet that will always be available. You just make one up and do your own thing. But I think for you know those mainstream people that are concerned about security, concerned about privacy, and you know they're not they're not here to gamble like the rest of us DGens. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that you know the wallet system is is going to come along and and it could be so there, there can be social. I think that's the great thing about Web three. It can be whatever yeah. people imagine and where adoption is and 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 what does adoption mean like i said we went back to early in our conversation there's there's less than 1.5 million ethereum wallets with one ether more in it today that's like we're so early so i i absolutely love this michael and um you know again from going circling back to to pocket network i think what you guys are doing is absolutely crucial um we know we have numerous ywl members that are that are running nodes right now and we've we've talked to them and they're they just love the ecosystem they love kind of the vision that your team uh and your community continue to put out so for anyone else that's interested they want to run a node they just want to hang out or they just want to uh, kind of build something where's the best way to find you guys yeah you can find me at uh, at O underscore Rourke. It's basically my last name with uh, with an underscore instead of an apostrophe. And uh, you can definitely keep up with Pocket at at P O K T Network on on Twitter. Um, and we've got a couple of newsletters. Um, I definitely recommend um, diving into the community. Um, check out the tele- the, 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 the Poctopus chat or the Poctopus Den. Um, uh, that was someone who uh, came in and, and is truly a, a community leader. Um, and he's actually built uh, an incredible thing there. Um, so there's definitely several avenues. Uh, definitely recommend taking a look at the forums. So just, how technical does someone have to be to, to be involved in Pocket Network? Do they have to like understand code or can they just say, I just no. want to be a fanboy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be uh, technical at all um, to, to you know participate or anything like that. That's why we have specific you know routes for governance when it's community and all sorts of stuff. So you know. I'd like to also congratulate you on making it through this entire interview without using the word NFT once. That was really an accomplishment <laughs> um, and, and showcases <laughs> how focused you are on on everything you guys are doing. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. This is uh, this is fantastic, Jay. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Anytime. Why Wills? That's uh, Michael with Pocket Network, and uh, really go check them out. Understand what they're doing and. And a huge, crucial aspect to Web3 that we're going to continue to watch uh, over the years. So thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. YWales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.